Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes, and today, delighted once again to be joined by Lawrence Conley and Natasha Miko for another Axon Bulletin. Welcome back to the show. How are you? Good, thank you. It's always a pleasure on a Tuesday. Obviously, I was sitting in yesterday for Kevin Graham. So two in a row, two on the bounce today. Um, and again, the Celtic managerial medal go round is going to be discussed because more and more names, it seems, on a daily basis are getting thrown into that. Uh, we've also got um, an interesting thing yesterday happened. I don't know if you had a chance to listen, but we had John Trainer on, John being mm-hmm. a, a poet and author. And he told a wee story about the fact that Dominic Mackay phoned him at home for a wee chat, phoned him at home uh, because John is doing some work with the foundation and I thought that was definitely a step in the right right direction. Natasha, we've been quite critical about the lack of engagement from the club, so you know, is this uh, a kind of sign of things to come do you think? It's good isn't it? Well it certainly looks like it's a step in the right direction. Um, I mean technically I suppose Dominic's not even started yet. And this is already on his radar and he's taken an interest. Um, so I thought it was a really interesting discussion yesterday. I really liked hearing about that. Um, and by all accounts, one of the things that is important to Dominic Mackay is fan engagement. And apparently that was apparent through his time with Scottish Rugby. And it's certainly something I hope he brings with him to Celtic. Um, one thing we have battered on about all season, quite rightly, to be fair, is the lack of engagement from the club. We're all too often left in the dark and find out our Celtic news from inappropriate sources. Um, and that's before we get on to Laxalt slip up. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I think that if we are going to start getting that level of engagement and is, is going to take a keen personal interest in advancing that, then that's certainly a positive sign for me. So that was that was great to hear. I, I liked that story yesterday. Really good luck, one. It was good. I mean, it came out of the blue and, you know, 
I think it shows a bit of humility uh, in so far as there's someone at the, the kind of highest echelons of Celtic or going to be taking the time out just to touch base with, with a Celtic supporter um, and I was thinking to myself how many messages on Twitter or Facebook or even um, emails have I not got around to responding to in the last couple of weeks yet <laughs> yet the new CEO is, is taking the time out which I think is brilliant um, so Lawrence as Natasha says we've been very critical highly critical of the lack of engagement um, now someone some of the more kind of cynical views that I was getting on Twitter is um, you know these kind of stories can be strategically dropped so that Celtic fans think that uh, things are changing. I do get a sense that 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 kind of change is going to happen with Dominic Mackay coming in. hope so, but even if it's just strategically dropped, we weren't doing it before. There was nothing to drop strategically before. So at least it's an improvement. You know, if it's not perfect, it's an improvement and it's moving towards what we want. In regards to it, uh, Natasha, you said that he's not yet in office. I was just double checking his contract at the SRU isn't up until July the mm. 1st of July so um, Dermot Desmond's already uh, revealed that he's going to be part of the the new the, the new management recruitment coming in as well so it's obvious that he is uh, you know he is having a dual purpose at the moment with the SRU and with Celtic yeah and that's that's great to see that he's getting involved at an early stage Um it should be. It should be people like him who are, you know, looking to take the club forward now. I know there's been some criticism that Peter Lawwell is still involved in the managerial search, um, but it certainly makes sense that Mackay is. Um, and I hope he's also having an oversight of, you know, the the dealings of the club. You know, there's plenty going on at the moment. Um, it looks like, you know, we're interested in players, we're signing players, we're scouting players, we're looking at a new management setup. It makes more sense for Mackay to be involved in that than it does Lawwell. Um I get that, you know, Lawwell's experience means rightly or wrongly that they're going to draw on him. But, um, yeah, I like that Mackay's involved already. There is some static happening at the moment. Thanks for your comments. We will be working on trying to resolve that as well. I don't think it is, uh, Lawrence, you're getting a bit of stick saying that you're talking with your head underwater. Um, but we'll see if we can sort that out as we go through the big topics surrounding Celtic. Now, yesterday there was a suggestion that we talk far too much about Chris Iyer on this show. Um, I don't think we do, actually. I was having a look at the, the topics over the last few weeks and we only really ran with Ayer twice in the last three weeks. Um, but as I was saying to Lawrence before we came on live, you know, we're facing a situation in the summer where we're losing potentially four heads of department if you want to look at it from a kind of corporate sense. And there is a wee bit of static. I'm just going to ask Natasha to, to look at our earphones or the volume um, because it seems to have disappeared now, Lawrence. Um, so in, in that in that kind of in relation to that corporate central solution, four big uh, department heads because I'm, I mean uh, Nick, uh, Nicky Hammond's on his way as well. Uh, that's why I was saying about Ayer. We need to try and keep as many leaders in the pack as we possibly can. But it was only a two or a three minute discussion on on Chris Ayer. The big story for me today is a number of managers are now throwing their hats in the ring. A uh, couple of interesting ones over the last couple of days. Thierry Henry, um, and it is complete luck that you're wearing a Republic Island uh, top, Lawrence, as I'm talking about Henri, um, has mentioned on the Robbie Fowler podcast that it's a club that would interest him. He's, a, he's got a huge amount of respect. He's keeping an eye on the developments in Scotland. Now, when it comes down to this managerial appointment and the importance of it at this particular time, I don't see Henri as being the kind of manager that we could be bringing in. I think that's profile uh, over the actual fibre of the manager. What's your thoughts on that one? Yeah, I think so. I, I don't know what he done at Montreal, uh, but I think any manager that's available, if they throw their hat in the ring, they get their name mentioned and out there. You know. I think maybe he's just saying it to get his name out there and let clubs know he's available. I think it'd be the wrong move for us. 
what you said there, talking about tactics, throwing uh, you know a suggestion out there, Lawrence, and seeing how that works as a wee grenade. Um, Kevin Graham the other day spoke about that in relation to the Celtic boardroom and how there may well be you know leaked information about Roy Keane because certain members of the the board don't want it to happen. I'm pretty sure that happens all the time. Yeah. Uh... But I, th- I think Jock Steen used to plant stories as well. I, I think people will plant stories and test the water. I think we might have been in a better place if we'd done it more often recently, rather than just pushing things through with, and then seeing how fans reacted to it. Yeah, you're right, because uh, the, the question would always be, you've got to be on your guard as a, a Celtic show, Celtic broadcast, um, if you're getting information that you're not basically just being played. So you've always got to try and weigh that up. Uh, but it would appear, obviously, that the Roy Keane stories are true. We are in discussions with them. And um, the big thing that I would take from that, though, before we get onto the, the subject of um, Lucian Favre, and I hope I've pronounced that correctly, um, is that we are going through the correct process, the correct recruitment process, because again, as Celtic fans, Lawrence, we were hugely critical of the process last time round, weren't we? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't believe, I don't know if you believe that it really was appointed in the shower and they didn't look at the other CVs, but I think communication-wise to the fans to announce it like that or even pretend we'd done it that way, I don't think it t- treats Celtic with respect or the fans with respect, saying, oh, we just appointed in the showers, we didn't look at any other CVs. I think that was disrespectful to Celtic and the fans. It was, uh, and it showed a wee bit of complacency. There was a, a real bloated attitude there whereby you're lording it over um, everybody, fans included. I agree with that, Lawrence. And you're saying, you know, ah, we just offered them it in the shower. And I don't actually think that that took place. I mean, we'll never know. We, we don't have uh, that view behind the curtain, as it were. But um, Zinko Vicks, who comes in, Regularly, so welcome back to the show. You're commenting on YouTube. Uh, Henri, really, what is this? Well, what happened, uh, Zinko, is that he was talking on the Robbie Fowler podcast. The Fowler podcast um, is a fairly new one, but it's very popular. It's always hanging around the top five in the UK uh, iTunes chart. Uh, so he's obviously using his pulling power to get in the big hitters and the big name guests. And he was talking about Henri, and Henri was very respectful uh, around Celtic. But as you say, Lawrence, it could will be one of these ones where you're, you're you're putting your name out there so that it then becomes relevant again in relation to managerial appointments before you know it you'll be appearing on uh, the bookies odds checker and then you start getting spoken about in the realms of managerial vacancies so I think it probably would have been a tactical one would the French connection have worked uh, with some of the French players or the French speaking players that have already left who knows um, I just don't think that uh, Henri for me would be the manager that we are looking for now uh, one as I say that does interest me um, especially with the structure when you look at the structure that uh, Celtic are looking to implement it would seem Lawrence you know we were waiting for the director of football to be announced first and foremost and I think everyone's expecting that to be Fergal Harkin once he's in place, we'll then start seeing how the, the head coach and his team um, will start to materialise. And this is where I, I feel that Favre's uh, an interesting name because you look at his, his pedigree um, as, a, as a manager, some of the clubs that he's managed, some of the successes that he had, uh, Borussia Dortmund, for example, the uh, performances in the Champions League, for example, Lawrence, the fact that you know his uh, average points per game is extremely impressive for, for Dortmund, and it's even higher than what Jurgen Klopp's was uh, when he was at the club. And he seems to work under a, a, a similar structure. He seems to work well under a similar structure as a head coach. Is that the kind of name that uh, would get your interest? Is that someone that Celtic should be looking at? Maybe not so much the name would get my interest, but his track record would and, and what he's achieved in the games. So I, I think when his name came up, didn't know too much about him. Then you go and read on his track record, just say points per game, what he's achieved. I think he's definitely a lot more interesting than Thierry Henry. I think, you know, he's someone that the club should be speaking to if he is mm. genuinely interested. Well, he's, he has uh, made it known 
that, that he's interested. That's obviously appeared in the press this morning. And, you know, it's one of the ones where you look at the, the kind of stature of the, the man, what he's done, like you say, Lawrence, and it would be foolish. Um, I think it would be remiss to ignore that. You've got to get him in. You've got to have that discussion. It goes back to some of the points that Anthony and Jim make fairly regularly on a Friday on the bulletin, whereby you just set your sights at the very highest and then, you know, you might get a couple of knockbacks you then start working your way down. Now, Natasha um, has been part of the, the bulletin today. There was a few technical issues, a wee bit of static, so we're hoping to get Natasha coming back in at some point. But thanks for alerting us on the comments section. We will be bringing in as many comments as we possibly can um, today because it's all about the fact that you need to come in, get involved, and tell us your thoughts on all things Celtic, Roddy 5. We started on this pod with names like Benitez, Howe, Martinez, and Rangnick. And now here we are with names like Keane, Henri and Clark. Given our finances, unfortunately, this is a more realistic level. Now, yeah, you're right, we have we have gone right through the, the full plethora, I think, of managers, Lawrence, if you're connected or linked to the Celtic job. We will have a chat about it and we'll ask um, the various contributors and, of course, the commenters what their thoughts are. I mean, running through some of these names, people said Benitez was a pipe dream, um, you know, was he was he not in the in the frame last time round? Um, there's a suggestion that he was. We're going to try and bring Natasha back into the equation again, back into the bulletin. Natasha, uh, there does still seem to be a bit of static coming out of your your laptop at the moment, unfortunately. So we will try again. But Benitez, you know, again, the one thing with that, Lawrence, is you've got to ask yourself, yeah, the caliber a manager is there. You look at the European success that he's had, that's there, so he's ticking these boxes. But is he the type of manager, and this might sound a bit bizarre, is he really the type of manager Celtic need for this rebuild? Because it's not just the type of manager who is all about the loving players on the park. I think it's wider than that, it's bigger than that, isn't it, for Celtic at this time? Yeah, definitely. I think we've all touched on, you know, we need somebody that can get that bridge between the youths and the first team and get players first team ready. I think every manager is going to come with his demands on a transfer kit and what he wants to achieve. So yeah. the board, I think Benitez is just my impression that he'd want a bigger transfer budget than Howard Mart- Martinez, for, for instance. I seem to get the impression that he's, he's been operating at that level for quite a while. Would he want to step back down where he's, he's not able to spend that kind of money? So I think the board's maybe got a lot to consider, you know, it's not just the manager, it's his backroom team and, and what he wants in, in terms of a budget to spend. No, you're right. I always look at a manager like Benitez who's already said that his priority is England. That's his priority in relation to a return to football management. But I always look at a, a manager like Benitez and I think, well, he's only going to go to a club if there's a possibility that that club can make an impression in Europe. Uh, when you look at Celtic, yeah, it's huge. It's absolutely massive for Celtic. Um, and obviously winning the league next season is as important as ever. When you look at the, the financial bounty that could be in place uh, the following season in the Champions League launch going into the group stages, um, I mean, there is a caveat to that, obviously. If the uh, winners of the Champions League this season don't qualify um, through their league campaign the following season, so it, it, it's a 99% chance that you are going to qualify as Scottish champion straight to the group stages. Um, so, when a manager like Benitez looks at a club like Celtic, as you say there, the, the transfer kitty is going to be huge. It's going to be a massive priority uh, on the list of wants and the, the desirable list for someone like Benitez. I don't think that's where we are as a, as, as a club. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. I, I don't think that we want to be, you know, throwing tens of millions of pounds um, trying to make that dent because you look at, um, you know, the margins, the margins of becoming a club who, A, gets into the group stages, Lawrence, uh, to become a club who then starts getting into the knockout. And you, if you were to look at the clubs who go out at the 32 stage, the 16 stage, etc., and the spend, it's astronomical, the difference. 
between a club that goes out of the group stages. You're talking, you know, it could be a difference of 80, 100, 150 million pounds. Celtic are nowhere near uh, the realms of that kind of budget. No, definitely not. I mean, I think we'll, we've got a number of players moving on. I think that's going to give us potential to have a decent budget. I think the wage bill is going to be down dramatically. We've got a lot of our top earners leaving. So, you know, it's another big factor when we bring players in, where they come in on the wage bill. So I think, you know, I could see us having 30 million to spend in the transfer market, but that's, would that be enough for Benitez? You know, that's maybe one player for him or, or half a player. <laughs> you, you know, whereas some of the other managers, they would... Like four, that might be five players for him, and that might sort of needs better. Yeah, that, that's the, the concern. Natasha, I can say that it sounds much, much better. Uh, and you've also relegated Lawrence to the bottom of the screen as well. So welcome <laughs> back. Welcome back to the Bulletin. I am uh, glad it's clearer. Sorry for the technical difficulties. <laughs> listen, that that's uh, the risk you take during the lockdown, isn't it, really? Um, now, Roddy made a great point when, when you were away there, Natasha, in relation to setting the kind of sights, setting the targets. And as a podcast, we have certainly um, spoken about um, just about every manager who has been um, linked to Celtic, and we're doing exactly the same today. But Roddy makes mm-hmm. the point in relation to the kind of the level of manager that we were talking about. Now, that top level that, that is named there, Benitez, Howe, Martinez and Rangnick, in fairness, though, I would say that Eddie Howe is still a viable option for Celtic, is he not? I mean, you, you mentioned the lack salt comments. Um, I've seen a few things this morning uh, around whether or not that's a fake or if it's been voiceovered. Who knows? Um, who's got time to do that? that? That's my biggest concern. But, um, you know, Eddie Howe, is he still an option for Celtic? I think so. Um, I think he has to be. Um you know, you get a couple of rumours that he's spotted in Glasgow or you get, you know, this leak of Laxalt saying he's meeting him tomorrow. And it just keeps the rumour mill going, really. Um, they have to have spoken to him. It's as simple as that. Um, I know we just talked about, we've got the comment up on screen there about aiming high and now we're starting to come back back down a bit and it's like the analogy you used on an earlier show is that you know you start you start at the top of the tree and you ask the question and if you have to drop down a few branches before someone says yes then so be it but I certainly hope we're asking the question of the people at the top of the tree um and I think Howe is a viable target. I accept, um, you know, earlier when we were discussing people maybe like Ranić and Benitez and Martinez to a degree, I get that they were perhaps out with the reach of, of what we could do and who we could attract to the club. I don't think I put Howe in that bracket. Um, I think we can make this a viable and attractive option to him. Um, you know, I know recently he's been linked with, with Newcastle. And, and I think my comments on that are probably similar to to Ayer, if they really do see Newcastle as a better option than Celtic for any reason other than financially, then that concerns me. Um, You know, a club like Celtic should be able to be a more attractive option than a club like Newcastle. Um, No disrespect to Newcastle. But if how is seriously considering Newcastle as a possible job that might come up in the summer and one that might appeal to him, then we surely have to be in his considerations as well. Um, I know the rumours are that he doesn't want to move too far from the south coast. Um, you know, but what difference really is there between Newcastle and Glasgow if he's going to do that? Um, so for me, Howe's still very much in the frame and very much someone I would I would like to see at the club. That, that's the big thing, though, isn't it? With, with that level of uh, club in England, and by the way, Newcastle, you know, I, I've always admired their fan base. I, I certainly have mm-hmm. admired that. Absolutely. They've been starved of success for a long, long time. And it's a club that I always look back fondly on in the 1990s and, and what I would always describe as English football's premiership heyday. Yeah, I loved um, English football back then. And um, but if you go there, you've got, you you might have a bigger bounty. You might have access to more expensive players and higher wages. But what is what really is is your ambition? Uh, what is your ambition at a club like Newcastle? Because it's so difficult uh, to get into the the higher reaches of that league to then qualify for for Europe. Um, I mean, even a cup competition would seem to be uh, you know beyond a club like Newcastle. When was the last time they won a trophy? Someone's maybe going to throw a date at me here was it not like 
decades and decades ago um, that the last won a trophy and what is your ambition if you go to a club like Newcastle and because the managerial merry-go-round is such uh, down there that um, you know you could get thrown off that and then your stock uh, diminishes rapidly in English football as well. Next thing you know, you're, you're, you're trying to get a, a job in a championship. So, you know, I'm not giving them any career advice, but in relation to Celtic, with regards to that European uh, carrot, you would hope that we are still, uh, you know, an attractive proposition for someone like like Eddie Howe do you, do you think Lawrence I know rumours apart do you think he is someone that we are seriously looking at and considering for this uh, for this vacancy yeah I, th- I think definitely somebody that, that we're looking at you know the rumours are that the board's split uh, we don't have a favourite yet but he takes a lot in the bo- boxes doesn't he but you know, as you say if he goes to Newcastle it's financial I suppose maybe he sees it as a higher profile position for them and that if he does well at Newcastle, he might get someone someone else in the Premier League. But for me, you know, I'm not too sure how's the man. You know, after reading about uh, Lucien Favre, after he threw his hat in the ring, I think, well, actually, you might be a bit more interesting. Where are we going to be shopping? I think we're still going to be looking for bargains. There's not too many to be had in England, which is where how's knowledge is going to mostly come from. There might be more in, in Germany for us. So, yeah, I, th- I think how's under consideration, but how much would they cost, how much would they want to spend? Uh, and how does his record hold up compared to Lucien's? I, I, I would think Lucien's was stronger. I mean, the other, the other uh, names mentioned on the, the previous post there, uh, I think would be uh, classed generally as a downgrade on on the, the previous mentioned names. So Roy Keane was part of that list. Stevie Clark, obviously, we're we're watching Scotland over the next few days as well. Um, they haven't gone down that well, though. And Natasha and John Francis comes in to to say Desmond seems to like the Irish manager. I think he'll continue with this. He's a one-trick pony, and I'm getting sick of his narrow-minded view. I I, I agree with John. I agree with John. I think we've said it and we've had the discussion with Russell, who's obviously driving the Kino boss. <laughs> um, that's not the boss I'm on. Interestingly enough, though, and I mentioned this yesterday, Sky Sports ran with the story with, with Keenan Butt. They ran with that story yesterday um, and they, they returned to the story time and time again and then seen the story appearing all over the, the national press. And you wonder um, what else, because surely they're not basing it on the, the kind of rumour, the rumour mill that uh, obviously we're part of at times, I would guess, if we suggest that uh, that's information we've got. Surely they've gone and checked maybe at their correspondence at Manchester. Sky Sports um, could maybe just give Roy Keane a phone and ask him, no? You'd think so. Um, you'd think that these discussions are all sort of happening behind the scenes. Um, you know, Alan McCoyce was in the media um, in the last few days as well, saying that he's spoken to, to Roy Keane about it and, and whether he's managed to get any information about of him, who knows? But um, he says apparently not. Um, and you'd like to think anyone going through an interview process or anyone who is a candidate for, for the job is keeping their, their cards close to their chest. Um, you know, if I was going through a recruitment process, I certainly wouldn't be talking about it too loudly. Um, and if I was the employer hiring, I wouldn't want any potential candidates talking about it too loudly, which has always made me think that those who are throwing their hats into the ring, um, you know, Favre, Henri, and then Keane to an extent as well. I always thought, you know, the people talking most about it are the ones who haven't been contacted yet. Um, and it's more of a come and talk to me rather than the club have approached them directly. Um, so perhaps they, they aren't on the they aren't on the short list that have been talked to already. Um, but for me, that brings around its own concerns. Um, if you've got a manager like Favre there who's saying, come and talk to me, essentially. Mm-hmm. Well, why haven't we already spoken to him? You know, I think it was December he lost his job. Um, yeah. So he's been someone who's on the market since then. Why is it taken until the end of March for his name to come up? He wouldn't be saying, you know, it's a job I'm interested in, come and talk to me sort of vibes, if Celtic already had. Mm-hmm. Or maybe he would, who knows. But my view or my feeling is that anyone who's still trying to throw their name into the hat hasn't been spoken to already um, 
And if not, why not? What stage of this process are we at that there's still new candidates seeming to pop up? Um, like Anthony Haggerty likes to go on about, there are only 80 days now, I think, was his last countdown. Was it 80? So it might be slightly less than that now. Only 80, 70, whatever it is, days until the start of the Champions League qualifiers. So, you know, we are running out of time. And I feel like at the moment, every week we're coming on here discussing either the same names, if it's Hare or Keane or Martinez Benitez, and then every week there's a new name thrown in. And this week it's Favre and Henri. Um, last week it was Marsh. So every week I feel like we're having similar discussions about who it's going to be with just an addition of a new name on top. Um, and I'd like to see us getting a little bit further down this application process or recruitment process and, and making some announcements sooner rather than later. But it doesn't sound like that's happening. Well, on that on that point, Kaplan Mark comes in to say must be close to an appointment. Think it's possibly timing when to announce. Well, again, we were speaking earlier about the the various heads of department who will be leaving the club, and Nicky Hammond, uh, we would expect to be one of them. And obviously, before Fergal Harkins announced, you would expect um, yeah, Nicky Hammond to to move on. So it will be a, a case of timing, and then you start seeing the order of events coming through. Obviously, we've got the CEO already, then the director of football, then perhaps the head coach after that. Um, one thing that I'm not keen on, and I'm going to come on to yourself, Lawrence, is this sideshow. Um, I was surprised yesterday with some of the comments around the fact that Keane would be an exciting appointment and you would have the Keane versus Gerard sideshow. I've never, ever looked upon Celtic as being like a fashion accessory, something that, you know, it's all about box office. That doesn't interest me in the slightest. It might uh, interest broadcasters down south. They might see that as kind of a box office draw, but as a Celtic supporter, it's not something I'm interested in. No, I agree with you. From a Celtic point of view, I don't see it as King Jared. Nobody's bigger than a club. You know, well, it may be true across the city, someone's bigger than a club, but for Celtic, I don't think the head coach or manager is ever going to be bigger than the club. Media contracts down south. Celtic may have an eye on that, you know, Netherlands, Belgium, if that merger goes through, we make make it easier for Celtic to move. So perhaps they've got an eye on on having someone like Keenan would be a figurehead and would make perhaps smooth negotiations with the broadcasters and, and let's be honest, they call the shots down south. So so maybe that. But from my point of view, and I think any Celtic fans point of view, the manager's not bigger than the club. No, it, it simply can't be. And uh, you, you also can't look at profile over the actual... Uh, nuts and bolts of results and what they're going to bring to the club we've been going on about how much of a rebuild it is and some people were asking yesterday why we keep going on about Ayer well you you consider what Celtic's defence is going to be in that game in 80 days Natasha and we probably should have a, a, a Haggerty countdown clock on, on the bulletin <laughs> uh, but once all the loanees go back if we do lose Ayer our defence is going to be made up of Tony Ralston, Greg Taylor, Stephen Welsh, and potentially Jack Kendry should he come back. If he doesn't, you know, we don't even really have another centre half. Julian is out until September, October. Beaton looks as though he's on his way out as well. And so that's why I'm looking at someone like Ayer, um, because it gives you the stability. And I take on, on board the fact that, you know, moving into, I think, his last year, it's all about trying to get the best deal for Celtic. Then, you know, I have seen it in the past where you get an improved last year so that you sign an extension, then the club are able to cash in on you at a later. Date. I would see this as something of a priority, but I was told yesterday stop speaking about Chris Iyer. Um But again, I mean, for me though, we have a real dearth of leaders at the club, Natasha. We've got a real lack of, for me, uh, candidates for the captaincy. And I know that Brendan Rodgers said that uh, Callum Mc McGregor's a shoo-in. He's a natural successor. What's your thoughts on whether or not we should push the boat out to try and keep Chris Iyer and of course the managerial um, announcement, uh, will that make any difference to Chris Iyer's decision? I mean I've said it plenty of times on here on my Twitter page I'd love to keep Chris Iyer um, I think it would be an excellent choice to keep him in and make him captain, I think he's got those qualities that we look for, that the leadership, that drive that passion um, and as, for as much as I like McGregor 
I don't see him with those qual- those qualities as much. Um, I know that Roger said that McGregor's you know a shoe in for it, and to be honest, I think that's only the case because McGregor is the only option. Um, if you look around that squad and who we have left, there aren't many alternatives other than Ayer. Um, so I think it will end up being McGregor. And I'm just not sure that's the right choice. I'm not sure he's the right character. And I'm not sure if it suits him to be captain. Um, perhaps whoever the new head coach or manager that comes in will have their own idea about perhaps a player on their radar who they could bring in to be a captain. Um, but usually the club like to stick with a bit of stability in that department. McGregor's clearly been lined up for this. Um, you know, He's been vice captain for the last couple of years under Brown. He has been wheeled out in front of the media to do all the interviews. It looks very much that he's lined up for the role um, um, whether it's the right one, I'm not sure. I think what we're, we'll miss with Brown is having that leadership on the park. And essentially, I've mentioned it before, having like another coach on the park. You mm-hmm. see it a lot in the games, Brown really driving and talking the squad through the game. Um, and I don't see that as much from McGregor. Um, I think I do see it more from Ayer. I have to agree with some of the comments coming in. I think we would be lucky to keep Ayer um, as much as it pains me to admit it I think he will be looking to his next move um, and whether a new manager can affect that I'm not so sure um, perhaps if you know we did go for someone who Ayer thought could develop him as a player and secure his next move then then maybe you know for Ayer his thoughts have to be what's the best move for me now that can you know progress my career is it another year at Celtic and get you know a bigger league or is it move now to you know a club like Newcastle and then move on further from there? What Celtic need to be doing is making it attractive an option to Ayer and convincing the best option is another year here, another year of development, and going straight to that bigger move rather than mm. Newcastle then on again. Yeah, I mean the big um, concern for me is the fees that we're now talking about. You know, mm-hmm. you you think back to the AC Milan connection and the link to Milan, uh, and you compare that to Newcastle United interested at eight million pounds. That would concern me because I think he is one of our biggest assets. I mean, interestingly enough, uh, today in a rare interview, Mark Viduka was uh, speaking about his career down south, and the way that he was talking about it was very much like, you know, Celtic were just the stepping stone to get him down to the English League, so it's not a new thing and I think we've all kind of learned um, that that is, the, and accepted that that is the case for a lot of these players uh, but what was interesting, I don't think I've had a chance Natasha, to get your view on uh, Scott Brown, our uh, illustrious leader, leaving Celtic and lining up for Aberdeen next season, but interestingly enough, Man City announced today that uh, a group is going to be leaving and they're going to erect a statue of him outside the stadium now if they're going to erect a statue of Aguero surely um, Bruni doing the Bruni would look good on the, the Celtic way Oh, I think it would look excellent. Um, I think there's maybe a few people lined up for statues before Brown, but I'm sure one day nobody would be against that happening. Um, he really is one of the all-time greats and history, I look fondly on him. Um, as such, oh, it's, every time I think about it, I get more frustrated at the thought of seeing him in a red shirt. Um, I don't get it, to be honest. I, you know, I do get why he's leaving, um, and I did anticipate that there's a possibility that at the end of the season that he would go. Um I just thought that there might be a role for him here in some sort of coaching capacity. Um, Obviously, his playing time might have been more limited. um, But Celtic have a bit of a record of liking to keep hold of their old captains. You just have to look at um, Stephen McManus still being around, Neil Lennon being around for so long. Celtic do manage to find roles for these type of players, and I thought Brown could have been one of them. Mm -hmm. Um, For him, perhaps it's a personal choice that he wants to continue his playing career um, rather than looking for his playing time to take a back seat while he focuses on a coaching role at Celtic um, and maybe he thinks he'll get more game time at Aberdeen um, for me I just I thought personally that Brown might like to you know go out on more of a high than lining up for, for Aberdeen over the next couple of seasons as they go for fourth or fifth in the league um, as his playing days ebb away from him. Um, that's not really the route I saw him going down. I would have perhaps understood more if he'd wanted to continue his playing career going somewhere like Australia or trying that sort of league. Um, mm-hmm. So I was surprised at his decision to go to another Scottish club and it'll certainly feel strange um, when we see him line up there next season. 
It, it definitely will. Um, there's been a few suggestions, Lawrence, that uh, Lee Griffiths might be following him to Pataudry. Um Is Lee Griffiths' Celtic career over? Do you think that uh, he's had his final chance? He's had more than many um, in terms of chances. And it doesn't look as though, for me, he's ever going to recapture the, the form of old. I mean, we talk about the 40-goal season. That was five years ago now. Do you think he might end up at a, a fellow Scottish club like Aberdeen? Yeah, it could do if they pay enough money for him. But uh, very much like Natasha's feeling about Brown, I don't really want to be lining up against Lee Griffiths. You know, he's still got the, the ability to put the ball in the back of the net. Uh, but someone that touched on Natasha's earlier point, she hopes that you know the decision's been made in the, the manager, and it, it's all about controlling the news. Somebody's making football decisions at Celtic just now, pretty important yeah. ones. Mm-hmm. We're signing players, we're letting players go out and loan. We're not keeping Brown. There's now r- rumours that Griffiths may be going. So it could be a bit of news management. You'd like, And if a new manager w- was coming in, certainly putting players out on loan is something that you'd want to do. You see them in, being tested so they can get the videos of them and, and be a- ahead of the game before before he steps in. As you said, Tony's TikTok clock is uh, minus 80 to the, the champions, isn't it? So, yeah, I, I think probably the point that has been made and someone's... Making these decisions, Griff, I would probably keep because goal scorers are, are the hardest thing to find. No, I've got Griff, Ayeti, Klamala. Yeah, I think everybody accepts Edwards off. So it, it, if, if we let Griff go, you're looking to sign another two strikers. It's not going to be cheap. It's one of the things, Natasha. It's a, a player who wouldn't have been a first choice all season, certainly uh, for many Celtic fans. But I certainly don't want to see Celtic lining up against them next season. Lee Griffiths. I mean, that's the thing. Um, I've mentioned before on here. I think it might be time for for Griffiths to be moved on at the club. Um, I have been disappointed in him this season. Um, you know. It, Obviously, he's had his issues in the past um, and he's had all of our full support and respect for overcoming and battling that. But this season, I've been disappointed in his professionalism. Um, You know, he didn't even go on our pre-season tour because he turned up unfit and he's never been fit since. Um, And I feel like that's cost us this season. Um, Had we been able to rely on that effective partnership of him and Edward that was so great at the end of last season, this season could have turned out slightly differently for us. So I have been disappointed with Griffiths and I am frustrated in him. Um, And I would fully understand if they decided that this is the season for him to move on. But like Lawrence has said, there's a difference between thinking about him moving on from my club and seeing him line up against us for someone else. And when you put it like that... Do you want a striker like Lee Griffiths lining up against you? And the answer is no. Um, but only if he is able to get himself fully fit and, and functioning for another team. Um, if he does, then it could be one of these situations where you think you've then shot yourself in the foot by letting him go. Um, so it's frustrating because we've not been able to get him or he's not been able to get himself to full fitness this season. But the last thing you want is for him to get a great pre-season under his belt with Aberdeen and come back and haunt us. Um, so it is a tough call on Griffiths, but the important question like Lawrence has touched on is is who's making this call? You know, whose mm. decision is it to whether or not to, to keep Griffiths around? Um, goal scorers are hard to find. Ayeti and Klamala haven't really hit the mark and look at how much they've cost us. So replacing not only one but two perhaps three strikers is going to be expensive Um, and we need to find them and we need to find them fast and I don't know where we do that but I certainly hope that the club do Yeah and you need to bed them in of course I mean Mm. you look at the upheaval of bringing in six new players this season Natasha Mm -hmm. we we could be bringing in double that uh, with loads more leaving and uh, just when you were talking about Griffiths I was thinking back to the last game we were all at where he scores a hat-trick against St Mirren uh, last March uh, you know over a calendar year ago and it was always going to be strange going back after the pandemic once things um, get back to a level of normality that allow us to go to, to stadiums but it is going to feel as though we've been in a coma we're going to go back to Celtic Park, right? The new the new manager's going to be in place. We're going to be facing an aging Scott Brown for Aberdeen. It's going to be absurd. You know, it's just going to be very, very unusual um, in any case. But when you look at the level of the changes that Celtic are going to undertake over the next few months, it's going to be a strange one when we go back to Celtic Park and see it all in the flesh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, by the time we get back, it'll feel like about five years have passed. 
because we're trying to do probably three, four, five years worth of changes in the next 60, 70 days. Um, and that's a monumental task to take on. And it's a bit frustrating that the club's lack of foresight has got us to this position. Um, you have to be looking further down the line. You have to have some sort of succession planning that doesn't involve everything falling off a cliff at the end of one season. And you needing a new manager, a new CEO, a new captain, 10 new players all at the same time. Um, and, you know, if you look a year or so back, the warning signs were there that this was going to happen. Um, and I really wish we'd been a lot more prepared for this than we are because the amount of change that is needed over the short period of time that we've got is monumental. Um, mm. And the thing is, the club don't have time for any sort of betting in period like we need and like we've talked about. We need to hit the ground running next season, not just for the Champions League qualifiers, which are important, but the actual start of the season as well. You know, we can't have them sort of having a betting in period at the start of the league campaign. We need to hit the ground running. We need to get the points on the board. The, the longer we take to bed in or give players time or if it doesn't come together instantly, the momentum starts moving further in the wrong direction and it's harder and harder to get back. Um, so the timing now is starting to, to give me a bit of concern. No, it is. And, and these are the things we've been talking about during the season and we were told we were overreacting, uh, you know, but it's quite clear we've seen this coming. We've actually mm-hmm. seen it coming. Despite what... Uh, Dermot Desmond is saying in his last communication with Celtic fans, a lot of people did see it coming. It's not as though uh, we're looking at it with hindsight saying, oh, I told you so. We spoke about it in real time all the way through the season. There was an excellent point came up there on the the, uh, subject of Eddie Howe, uh, and it came down to the fact that, you know, his wife and kids, he won't want to move them up to Scotland. Um, Now, I take that point, actually, because... We're Rangers, uh, they've got Stevie Gerrard who's up here on his own, he's left his, his wife and kids down south, and I always feel as though there's a, like a, it's almost as if a temporary uh, stepping stone, and you know, we, we always knew that, that Brennan Rogers would eventually move on if things went well, which they did, but uh, you want them to be all in, and I just never feel personally, that the manager's all in unless he moves Lockstock uh, up to Scotland and, and uh, obviously um, probably in and around the, the Glasgow area. And you get the feeling from Stephen Gerrard, certainly, that you know that's a temporary measure and he will move on because his stock's high at some point. You don't really want the then-coming Celtic manager, Lawrence Alassio, first to, to have that kind of temporary vibe about it, do you? No, I mean, I think John Barnes touched on it in his interview with you. When he came up, he was going to move his partner up. And then mm. a couple of things happened and he thought, wait a minute, this is temporary. I'm not moving my partner up. So I think it is completely the wrong vibe. You know, if he's come up here to run the, the, the first team as the coach or if he's come up as the manager to run the football side operations, yeah, you, you're wanting someone that's that, that's fully committed. What does it say to players? You know, if the manager's not fully committed, if you've got a player that's not sure about staying, for example, Chris Ayer, and he gets a manager that comes in and said, "Well, I'm not going to have my family here because I'm only going to be here two or three years." It's, I think, I think it's definitely the wrong message. Uh, yeah, I think we need someone in that's that's going to be all in, so to speak. Absolutely, yeah. all in. You, you mentioned John Barnes there. I've got a wee shiver down my spine thinking back to that interview, Lawrence. <laughs> I've not listened to it in some time. We should bring John Barnes back onto the bulletin one of these days. Um, he's, uh, he's always an interesting chat, that's for sure. Mark, uh, who comes onto the, the bulletin on a regular um, occasion, Mark, welcome back. You're talking to us on YouTube. Anyone be happy with Luxalt being used as a make weight in a deal for either Ayer? Or Eduard, um, I don't know. I mean, I think we've all said it, Natasha. We've seen him. He came in. He made an impact. Faded away. Comes back in. Thought he played pretty well against Rangers. I've got to say. Um, but some of the, the figures quoted around his value, um, I find quite surprising from what we've seen anyway. Yeah, I mean, I think for the the sort of figures that were being quoted that we'd have to pay for him, I think surely that there must be an alternative left-back option for that kind of price. But in saying that, we weren't able to find one. So maybe that really is what that sort of money buys you right now. Um, I, I do see glimpses of that talent from Laxalt. Like you say, when he first came in, I thought, you know, we've got a player here. You know, he looks like he could really fit into the squad and he looks like he could be a real asset. Then his performance, he sort of fell off a cliff um, and he started to, you know, 
turn into a bit of a headless chicken. You know, he was never in position. He was all over the place. He rarely hit the byline. And you thought, how was this guy being signed by AC Milan? Mm. Um, and then he sort of recovered a little bit of form again. And you do have to question whether he could recover that further under a better management setup, um, better coaching perhaps, whether we could make him into that sort of player that he looked like when he first came in. Um, I wouldn't write Laxal off completely if the money was right. Um, then he'd certainly be an option for me. Um, but I wouldn't like to see us, you know, putting Ayer out the door to, to try and get in, keep Laxalt. Um, I mean, that's mm. a very clear downgrade if we end up giving them Ayer and we get to keep Laxalt, you know, with, with some money going in the, that direction as well. But, yeah, unless, you know, you're telling me that there's another left-back being lined up for a better value who's going to come in and do do significantly better than Taylor or Laxalt, then I think Laxalt does certainly have to remain in the considerations. Um, but we shall see who's making these decisions at the moment. We don't know. We don't know. Exactly. I, I think when I look at it, um, rather than going to, through the process of scouting someone else, Natasha, we might be in a situation where, uh, you know, you look at the El Yanusi deal where we, we retain them for another year. It would be good to see someone like Laxalt and John Joe Kennedy to a lesser degree getting a full pre-season at Celtic mm-hmm. uh, um, with a new manager, with a new approach, uh, because otherwise we are looking for two two new fullbacks. Uh, Lawrence, would you buy into that if we could maybe retain him on loan for another another campaign, or would you be looking for a fresh right back and a fresh left back? I think there's definitely a player in there. He was in the World Cup team of the year last World Cup. As Natasha said, with a new manager, get a better tune out of him. But playing with different centre halves or someone in left. I'd field in front of him that's different. Would that help improve him? Mm-hmm. He's one of the better players uh, against Safeco. So, yeah, the thing that worries me is the wages that maybe come in wanting, how that's going to balance it, and how much of make weight is it going to be. If they're going to price him at two million, you're saying, well, yeah, it's probably worth taking it. If they're mm-hmm. saying he's at eight million, make weight, you're thinking there's, can Celtic afford to, to spend eight million on? left back potentially when we could be looking at bringing two strikers in where that's mm-hmm. kind of where our limits been on a player before roughly or just north of there isn't it so yeah for a left back it, it would be pricey but then again we're talking about continuity within the squad with a lot of players moving on so yeah it could be another loan deal that I'm not, not, not the, the biggest fan of at right back you know if we can get a de- couple of de- decent centre halves in and keep higher we can play higher at right back You've been saying that for some time, and I, I did, uh, you know, think that he played pretty well. He was quite impressive at right back, uh, Lawrence. Absolutely, no doubt about it. Uh, CFC nineteen sixty seven comes in. Sorry, but uh, putting your wits against Man City, Man United, Liverpool, Chelsea, and Arsenal is far more appealing than managing Celtic at Hamilton, Ross County, and Livingston. And I think that is the challenge you face when you're looking for a new manager. There are obviously other reasons why someone would want to come to to Celtic, but um, you know there. there are pros and cons and you know sometimes it's the timing element as well and that that was what was key with Brendan Rodgers it was the right time it was the right fit for him just as we were the um, he was the right fit for us as well so we're talking about fullbacks and I was interested to read as well talking about uh, Arsenal and other English clubs that Kieran Tierney um, is on the radar of uh, a number of clubs and Man City have actually been mentioned as well and and you think I remember when he went down to Arsenal and asked Kevin the question um, is that is this Kieran Tierney's level can he actually progress further that was that was a big debate that day and I think uh, although he might uh, say I'm a liar tonight when he's back on and scream a celica I think Kevin said no this is this is Tierney's level but with his performances at Arsenal this season and I think he he's a standout every time I see him for Scotland as well um, I think he could take that, that step up, Natasha. And if he did, what kind of fear are we talking if a Man City was, was to come in just now for Kieran Tierney? Oh, it'd have to be massive. You know, look what sort of money's going around for players like John Stones. Um, so you're not going to get Tierney for, for much or anything less than that, in my opinion. Um, he's, you know, one of the, if not the best left back in that league. Mm. Um, and I think he's just an absolute prime example of what happens when you've got a talented player who is 110% committed to every game and every training session they play. Um, and he has to be seen as a role model in, in that, you know, example. So 
to be honest, I don't think Arsenal's his limit. I think he can certainly go higher. Um, he's, you know, every time I watch Arsenal play, Tierney stands out um, in terms of, you know, the drive, passion, commitment and ability. Um, you know, he is head and shoulders above, you know, a lot of players he plays with in that team and a lot of players he comes up against. So when you're talking about him being one of the better or best players in that Arsenal squad, then why can't he go higher than that? Um you know, he'd have to choose his next move carefully, I think. Um, doesn't want to move too much or too quickly and, you know, maybe hamper his development. He talks very highly of Arteta and the coaching that he's receiving there. Um, but I certainly think Tierney can can go a step further than Arsenal. And in terms of the, the funds we're talking about, you'd have to assume it would be tens and tens of millions. Um, and again, that's, you know, testament to the model that we have of producing our own players and selling them for a higher fee. But, you know, what did Tierney go for? 20, 25 million, you know, a couple of years down the line, that's still looking like robbery when he's going to go for double that. Um, so I think, you know, again, with that in mind, and when we're looking at players going out the door, perhaps like Ayer, you know, let's not sell ourselves short and let's not settle for a lower value just because, you know, they've come from our league. You just have to look at players like Tierney and what their value could be going on. Mm-hmm. Um Similarly to what happens with Van Dijk, um, so I hope I hope we don't settle for for a too low a sum for players like these. If we are going to look to to move them out the door and recoup some money, talking about recouping money, hopefully Peter Lowell's uh, leaving us a wee parting gift with a sell-on <laughs> fee. If uh, if Tierney does go, it'd be nice to get fifteen percent of that, Lawrence. And uh, when we're talking about the English game, because obviously some of our players are being linked to the likes of Newcastle. We've got a couple of comments coming in. Zinco comes back in to say Newcastle should be doing a lot better than what they are doing. Massive fan base and serious following. I've always been impressed. I think when I, I look down to the English game, uh, and I've said on here a few times, I'm not a massive fan these days of English football, but you know, I have been to a lot of games over the years. I've never been to a stadium more often than St. James's Park. That seems to be the stadium I've been to because it's so easy you know where I live just to jump on a train uh, and a group of us have gone down quite a few times uh, doing it in Newcastle and I just I like the whole vibe of the place on match day uh, so I would agree with Zinco I think the fan base actually deserve uh, a lot better than what they've had over the, the, the last um, few decades and, and that's incredible when you think about a club who doesn't win a trophy for several decades um, and you look at the level of success that Celtic are looking at um, so yeah and the big thing for me as well is once a club like Newcastle um, if they were to drop out of the division they just need to look at Leeds to see how difficult it is you know, for a, almost like a generation that you're out the top league and it's very very difficult to get back in as well and I think that is the kind of thing that the likes of Chris Iyer needs to be aware of you know, you, know, you could be going to a basket case of a club mm. that uh, you know, could be fighting relegation and then you're more or less, you know, thrown to the wolves after that. You don't know what's going to happen after that. Uh, your stock then drops, and um, I think you know it's a. He's got to be very careful at this stage of his career, Chris Iyer. And like you say, Natasha, I think um, you know Kieran Tierney does as well. But I've always believed he could take that step up um, mm. within the English game. It's just you know it's the fees. It's just the astronomical fees if you go from an English club to another English club. And if he was to do that, I'm pretty sure we'll get a few quid, and we might be able to buy a left back or if uh, Tierney was to move again because I mean we've tried a few times to replace him unsuccessfully um, if you know the history thanks for getting involved I back Glasgow Celtic Football Club regardless of who the manager is absolutely agree with that and um, you know we can discuss and debate who the right man is for the job um, and I think a lot of people are aware of who your who your choice would be Natasha on mine and those that were against but if we were to appoint Keane we're still going to support the club we're still going to back him it's just that during this process um, I don't think and the timing as well I don't think it's the, the right time to bring in someone like Roy Keane now Lawrence you, you'll think back to some of the managers you've watched as a Celtic fan and you did back them regardless I mean you, you've seen some horrific Celtic teams um, in the past and uh, a lot of the managers weren't great and I just think we need to be very very 
you know, very careful as to who we appoint. But the action is just round the corner. We've got a Scottish Cup game coming up this weekend, and we're facing Falkirk. Now, someone else actually came in to say Newcastle are the hearts of England. Thank you, Danny boy. Are we going to have another Scottish Cup upset as Hearts have had already at Falkirk, or do you see this uh, being easy enough in terms of a professional enough performance, and we'll get through it? Should they be going for 4-3 against Falkirk? I'm not too sure. I I think we'll definitely get through it. I don't think it's going to be an easy game in the Cup, but yeah, I can see it's coming through 2 or 3 now. I'm not overly worried. I don't think they're going to pull off a broader against us. I said easy. That was probably disrespectful, Natasha. What I meant to say was comfortable enough. If we turn up, if we put in a professional performance, you would expect us to win the game comfortably, surely. I mean, absolutely. You just have to look at the squads on paper. And although, you know, if you look at our squad on paper, we should have won our own league comfortably this year. Um, I think there probably is too big a gulf between the squad that we have and the squad that Falkirk have. Um, so I do I do expect it to be a relatively comfortable game. But as we have seen with Celtic this season, I'm not sure you can ever say that. So, so we shall see. Now, someone's coming in to tell us that... Um... Glenn Coe is coming in to say the last one a domestic trophy in 1956 wow that's just astonishing and you still look at the stadium when you're allowed to go back to the games and there's 50,000 uh, Geordies in there supporting Newcastle and they haven't won a, a, a domestic trophy since 1956 I mean there's been a few false dawns for Newcastle um, now an interesting conversation that we had with Colin at the weekend was around the fact that he was dead against Roy Keane um, and then we went on to the subject of you know giving someone a job because they've got a link to Celtic and he brought up the example of Henrik Larson because at the beginning of the season I was saying we should have brought in a striker coach and because Larson and Lennon played together it could be giving uh, Lenny some support as well because we all knew he didn't assemble the coaching staff and uh, Colin was talking about how if a legend can come in and not do so well it can kind of tar their, their legacy and their reputation one of the biggest examples of that actually not happening was at Newcastle because Alan Shearer was the manager wasn't he did he not take them down he got them relegated so it can it can be done you can still be a hero even if you come in and it doesn't go so well I'm not saying for a minute by the way that, that Larson should be Celtic's manager um, but uh, when uh, Colin said that he would take anyone over Roy Keane I says would you take Henrik Larson and then you know that gave him a bit of a dilemma um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm all about it doesn't matter for me if they've got a link to Celtic it doesn't matter if they're Irish as long as the manager can do the job the head coach can do their job that's all I'm interested Natasha? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think maybe it is time to move away from that, you know, Excel or Celtic Association type of manager um, and try try go down a different route. I, I'm with you. I don't think I'd like to see Henrik Larson come back yet. Um, you know, Lennon, by all accounts, was a real Celtic great, a Celtic hero as well. And he has unfortunately seriously tarnished his reputation. Um who knows, maybe, you know, a few years down the line, maybe a bit longer, we'll look back on it and um, some of the hard feeling may have dissolved slightly. Um, but Lennon will have to live with the fact that this season has seriously diminished all the significant work and the achievements he did have during his playing and managing career. And it's a shame. It is a shame that one season can do that. Um, and maybe it will, like I say, diminish as, as history, you know, looks back or as time moves on. But I would hate to see that happen to Larson. Um, I really would. I think if I was looking to bring a Larson to the club at the moment, it's more likely to be his son than him, who is on, on fire for his own team at the moment, you know, in Europe and, and at Spartak Moscow. Unfortunately, I think he's probably a little bit out of our reach at the moment, but but never say never. Um, if we are bringing a Larson back, let's, let's look at Jordan. And jersey sales would go through the roof. Larson seven on the back, wouldn't they? Um, in fact, you could probably afford it just for the merchandise sales, <laughs> Natasha. Frank Brennan, uh, welcome to the show, Frank. You're coming in via YouTube to say Martinez is viable and he would only want a proper wage rather than any kind of mega millions. Uh, the mentally fragile How is only interested in the low expectation and making up the numbers, Crystal Palace. Um, well, Martinez apparently hasn't been approached for a job and he wouldn't be interested in any case. I know we did speak about him earlier on in the season uh, when Kevin Graham asked me who my, my dream appointment would be and I did say Martinez and Maloney but you know that isn't vi viable because we haven't asked the question and you know why would he? 
would be the question for me. Why would he leave the position that he has at the moment uh, to come to Celtic in such a time of transition? So, you know, these names, and we'll continue to cover any of the names that um, come up in terms of speculation with Celtic's uh, managerial vacancy. But we are no further forward at the moment and hopefully within the next week or so we will have a director of football in place. We've got a game to um, get through before then and that's against Falkirk this weekend. We'll be covering the game here from a Celtic state of mind. Thanks everybody for getting involved. If you haven't done so already, get subscribing on YouTube um, as we grow our subscriptions. Um, We're putting out broadcasts every single day. All that's left for me to say, Natasha, thank you again and thank you to Lawrence Conley for joining me on a Celtic state of mind. I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's B-A-S-Y to 203203. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.